Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight and joining me as ever from across the pond. Hmm, if I was in dungeon with him in a dungeon, uh, I'd, I'd need a dragon to save us. I don't know, it's John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How you doing? I'm doing okay, Matt. Uh, ready to talk some film with you today. Yeah, I mean, usually, usually I'd kind of ad-lib slightly better than what I've just given you, but it's the best I could do with the hand I was given, unfortunately. But um, yeah, looking forward to talking some films tonight. Uh, it's been a it's been a busy week for uh, the BAMP host this week. JB has been very very busy. I've had a busy day today. Just got back from a a lovely day out of my little one. Um, ready to talk some film with JB. I worked this weekend, so I didn't get a chance to do an awful lot, which always stinks. But um, it also means I get to have a nice quiet weekend on one sense. Other than that, JB, it's been pretty quiet. The sun is coming out over here. It's getting a little bit warmer. It's still Mm -hmm. raining at times, though, my friend. I've got a cup of tea. And, yeah, there's not really much more. Usually I have more to say, but not an awful lot to say this week, JB, because it's been a pretty mundane week. But how how have you been? You keeping Florida safe and well? No, No issues with transport or anything? No, I mean I dipped out of Florida, um, which I will say <laughs> for uh, my the bloody awesome this week. But um, I, today was my first day at work. Actually, uh, I haven't been to work Ooh. pretty much since we recorded. Like I went one day after we recorded last week, and then I've been on a mini vacation. Of course, um, yes. So today was my my first day back, and I got to say, I don't know how many of my students uh, listen to the podcast or whatever, but hey. um, it is. I feel like a teacher knows they're doing something right when you come back. Uh, from from being gone and they're happy you're there instead of disappointed <laughs> that it's not still a sub um because like, when i was in school it was usually like a good thing when there was a sub right like it'd be like oh yeah sub day all right my students are like oh thank god you're back and it's like well thank you uh i appreciate that that welcoming but ag- again we get when you have people for a few years it's it it is like you become familiar with that environment when your environment changes that's always uncomfortable so um but uh I came back today. Um, one of my classes uh, is watching um, Three Identical Strangers. And uh, it's fun watching people watch that movie because that movie is like layered. Um, have you seen it, Matt? I haven't seen it, no. Oh, I'm just man. trying to rack my brain thinking, have I seen that? And I think it may be on the famous list. We both have a famous list. Mm-hmm. Well, it's um, a really good documentary from uh, 2018. And uh, it's one of those where like every time you think you have a grip on what's happening, there's a new bit of information revealed and we got to a a key reveal and i paused it because uh they have like we're, we're doing it in, in sections and they were not thrilled that i paused it They're like no i'm like yeah we're gonna wait till, ne- till, till thursday um they were very hooked and wanting to know what what else was going to happen um but yeah you know uh, otherwise it's it's getting it's starting to feel like summer here in florida um but yeah we don't need to talk about the weather but it's it's getting warm again i think instead we should look at a fire breather rather than fire feeling uh, country. See, we're both trying here, guys. Give us some slack. And listen, just before we get that, I respect every teacher out there in the world, even the ones I didn't like. But there is no sub teacher or teacher anywhere who's going to take the place of John Perk. Let's just say it right now. Of course, the kids are happy for you to be back, my friend. The best teacher in the world, John Burke. Um but with that aside, let's uh, let's talk about some fire breathers. Let's talk about some some cells, prison cells. Together they make dungeons and dragons. And that's what we're talking about this week. If you're new to the BAMP, welcome. 
Each week on this main show, we deliver a non-spoiler review of the biggest or most interesting or only release of the week in some cases. And then in a few days' time, we'll drop a spoiler review. And tonight we're dropping a non-spoiler review of Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Yes, sir. So here we go. The tale of the tape. It was directed by and written by Jonathan Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. Also written by Michael Gilio as well. It stars Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Rijay John Page, Justice Smith, Sophia Lillis and Hugh Grant, amongst many others. Again, no spoilers, but we will read the synopsis and dive into the synopsis and trailer footage. It says, a charming thief and a band of unlikely adventurers embark on an epic quest to retrieve a lost relic. But things go dangerously awry when they run afoul of the wrong people. Uh, ratings. What's it? What's the world think of this film? On Rotten Tomatoes, the critics have it at eighty nine percent. Wow, the audience have this at ninety two percent. It's very high. Metascore is Ooh. nestling at a very impressive seventy five. Um, so for, I'll say right now, JB, that surprises me, and that isn't necessarily indicative of my thoughts of the film. But I'll get into that. If you want to watch Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Amongst Thieves, you can do, and it's only available in theatres and if you're a letterbox user like john and myself you'll be pleased to know this does have a rating out of five of 3.7 now when i say i'm surprised it's not because i think this film's bad i'll say up top i don't think it's bad at all but there was something about before dungeons and dragons honor amongst thieves came out i just assumed it, it had all of the it had all of the trappings to be a big budget flop oh for me the trailers weren't selling me too much I thought they were good, but it just looked, there was something which felt a little bit off sometimes with the trailers, like they were going, leaning too much into the humour, or they were trying to be too contemporary, given obviously Dungeons and Dragons and its historical, um, you know, people's view on it. I know it's becoming a lot more mainstream now, but like many things in the geek culture, for the longest time, I think it was kind of looked down upon, not so much anymore. And it kind of, it, it kind of made me think, oh, I wonder if the studio and the directors are trying too hard to say no no D's cool guys you know so i thought this is this is, this is going to be a big budget flop that was my initial thought going into this i didn't think it would be a 91 on rt94 i didn't think the, the imdb score would be 7.6 out of 10 you know i mean these i assumed it would be maybe half that but i was wrong i was wrong i saw this film first um damn about a month ago now at a cine world unlimited screening and there were lots of people in the crowd because it's a, a, a secret screening. We didn't know what it was, but the word on the bird was it was going to be this film. Uh, and lots of people were very excited when the BBFC card came up and said Dungeons and Dragons. Me me too as well, because it also meant I got to see a film which wasn't coming out to the end of the month worldwide early. So my BAMP preparation was pretty much complete. I have seen it uh, subsequently since that first viewing, but... I enjoyed this, John. I, I really did. I don't think this is perfect. I know people get annoyed when people say that. I get annoyed when people say that. But it isn't. I wanted to say that up top now. I had a great time with this film. I think it's a lot of fun. It's, it's got this effervescent energy uh, that per permeates throughout the whole thing. It, it has a little drag in it here and there. But for the most part, it's kind of got this really like swashbunk, swashbuckling, adventurous feels. When I was watching it, I thought, this reminds me of The Mummy at times. Now, Brent, uh, Academy Award-winning Brendan Fraser's The Mummy, just just for uh -huh. that kind of like playful throwback, swashbuckling feel, I got that from this. 
and I didn't expect it, JB. You know, I, I really didn't. I've never played the game, so I was lost on probably a lot of deep cuts or even a lot of the lore. And the, but the film did spend the first third, maybe, you know, telling me what I need to know. These are these people. This is what they do. This is this part of the world, and this is what you need to know. Got it. Didn't quite understand still because that's just me being dense. But all I know is we had Chris Pine played Edgin, who is who is a, a charming thief, and he has to lead this motley crew uh, of Michelle Rodriguez's Holger the Barbarian, Justice Smith's sorcerer called Simon, and Sophia Lillis's droid called Dorich. Uh, Doric on a quest to retrieve a mystical relic in order to bring down uh, a bad guy is all I'll say uh, and just in case anybody wants to keep that sacred um, but yeah I, I enjoyed it JB I think a lot of the fun and the charm actually comes from the cast more so than maybe the writing Chris Pine is having the time of his life here and he has a natural charisma and I mm. think the directors I think Goldstein and Daly just pretty much know that and said right you do you you know, keep it in the confines of your character, but you know, you, you do you. You know, bring what you bring best, Chris, to this role. And I think that's actually for for the uh, the film's a positive mark against the film. I think Michelle Rodriguez is is good in this film. She's having fun. The chemistry between her and Pine is great. Um, Roger John Page as Zenk Kiendar is is so devilishly handsome. It's off putting. It's annoying. I was like, this guy's so good looking and Which so is talented. Why he's- he's cast perfectly as a paladin because of that. Like that exactly. is exactly, I got that. And I was like, damn, now I know what John thought when he used to see Leonardo DiCaprio all those years ago, I thought, uh, and I did think that as well, but um, the tones light throughout. I think that works as well. This could have been bogged down massively with law exposition or trying to be too, too serious, but no, not at all. Actually it's, it's a relatively light film. The humor works most of the time, actually. So some weren't, some weren't great, but for the most part, the jokes land, and they decide to focus more on a on a, on a father daughter relationship, which I think uh, sometimes again sometimes cannot land here. I think it did. The emotion worked for me. It wasn't, you know, it didn't it didn't entirely tug at the heartstrings, but I think the film needed that emotional undercurrent more so than Motley Crew, you know, risks everything to get relic. That's fun, but you need something more. You need you need a pulse. And the film, the film gave us that. It's it, for me, it's arguably too long, and I do think it is. I think it's too long. I think you could trim trim some fat off here, and it isn't always simple to follow. But I had a damn good time with it. I re, you know I really did it. I said it was surprisingly appealing in my review, and that's more of me, you know, uh, projecting myself because I just didn't think I was going to enjoy it. I love Lord of the Rings, love those films. And this film is kind of like you've got Lord of the Rings, which is it has some fun in it, of course, but it's you know pretty straight. This is kind of like the next level down now, where it plays it straight, but it's also it, it leans more into the fun. You know, we do we got a dungeon, we got a dragon, so the title didn't lie to me there. And yeah, I thought, I, do you know what, John? I just had a good time. I think I thought it looks good as well. I think for the most part, the CG looks decent, um, and yeah, the cast chemistry is what sells this. So I'm happy to be wrong, John. Always happy to be proven wrong. I thought this film would be a flop. I thought it was going to be a pain, painful to watch. It wasn't. I enjoyed it. However, are you going to tell me you hated it now, John? Oh, no, no. I love this movie. Um, I had go. a complete blast. Um, I've listened to uh, the original seasons of the Adventure Zone podcast, and 
um, Dungeons and Daddies until a few months ago. I actually kind of got burnt out on uh, the D&D podcast suddenly. I didn't expect to. But um, what those things do really well with both shows, specifically those two, I know there's more popular ones. There's like Critical Role and Roll20, I think. I, I don't know. all. There's a bunch of D&D podcasts out. Some have uh, diehard fan bases. Others are a little more casual. Um, the thing that I like about the Adventure Zone and Dungeons and Daddies is they're much more concerned with the storytelling. They are, they've created characters. They're creating the story within the world and they use the D and D rule set, but kind of loosely, like they're not sticklers for rules. I know some mm-hmm. people really have like nitpicked both of those podcasts for not following all of the, the, the specific D and D source my code listens to dungeons and daddies. I think it's really fun. And again, like sometimes it's, you forget they're even playing D and D and they're not just telling a story because they, they, often go many episodes where there's like no fight. So there's no real mechanics involved. Um, and th- this movie feels like that. Like it, it took the idea like D and D is our, our wraparound. We're going to use it where we need to use it. But for the most part, we're concerned with telling a good story. And that's what some people forget about D and D. It was never about the rules. The rules just give you a structure in which to play in, but it's still your game. It's still the idea is that like, if everyone at the table is in an agreed consensus about a rule change or whatever, the game's still going to be fun. Where if there's like one person who's just a stickler for the rules and everyone else is like, dude, we don't care about that particular rule. It's going to ruin the game for everybody. And this movie, Jim. it could have done that. They could have said like, well, we have to follow all these strict guidelines. Even if our characters feel like they wouldn't do that. They didn't do that. They, they really went into the characters. We get some great performances. It feels like the people making this movie are having a blast. And yes. that translates, man. If they are having fun, we are having fun. And that's all day with this. I have liked Justice Smith. But I would say if you look through reviews and stuff, he's been criticized for his acting ability a few times or for being one note. I think yeah. they use him perfectly here. I think uh, Roger Jean Page has been kind of like, is he just a pretty boy and can he actually pull it off? If that is the case, they cast him correctly in the paladin <laughs> role, which I already alluded to. Um, the druid... Sophia Lillis. Uh, some people were nitpicking immediately from the trailer because she turns into an owl bear, and that's not something that can happen in the game <laughs> rules. Again, let that go. Just have a blast. Fans. I love Hugh Grant. Uh, I've I've talked great about Hugh Grant for years. Um, now he's he he just take in his older age. He's taking really really fun roles. Just a, a month ago, he was in Operation Fortune. Um, Loved him in that, and I love him even more in Dungeons and, Dr- and Dragons. I thought this was great. I think worthy of note, in 2000, there is a Dungeons and Dragons movie, live action, with Jeremy Jesus Irons series. in it. It's horrible. And I've never seen it, um, but it has a 10% Rotten Tomato score it's and a 19% bad. audience score. Where here we're looking at 91 and 94. Um, this movie is excellent. It, it's, it's so much fun. It's a especially when you have so many superhero films. And while this, you could argue this is a superhero style film, Mm -hmm. the, the sets, the setting and the trappings, is that a fantasy? And it, it was nice to feel something different. You know, it wasn't a high tech stuff. It's in fact, the opposite. It's, you know, armor, it's magic. It's, um, I don't know. I, I just had a blast watching this. Um, I think the storytelling is really strong. Like I understood why they were doing what they were doing. I understood why characters were making the choices they were making. Um, I was able to see things coming, but only because it was, it was written into the text of the film. And I think that's Mm -hmm. great. It's nice to see good storytelling. 
um, they do some really great jokes. though, man, some of the bits in this are so awesome. And there's an emotional hit well, don't they? They really do. And there's an emotional payoff in this film, which you wouldn't have thought you'd get that, but they totally, they made sure that we, we cared about these characters. And when choices are made, we feel the ramifications of those choices. And that's all I want from a movie. I want to, I want to feel something. I want to be engaged. I want to feel that I care what happens. And this movie does that every step of the way. And, um, and for fans of D and D, I think there's enough there. Um, and I, I would love to say I'm a fan of D and I've played a few campaigns. I've tried several times to like start campaigns, but it is a commitment. Um, time uh every week you're you're dedicating two or three hours you have to have a and that's not just yourself you have to have a group of people willing to commit that time more often than not you start a campaign and then it ends i've never finished a full a full on DD campaign but um magic the gathering was a card game i played they they've done a few DD crossover things because wizards of the coast uh is owns both so like i'm familiar with a lot of the lore and references um and you know, for me, it was enough. I know, I think there's going to be some diehard D&D people that are going to get mad about Lord changes or alterations, or maybe feel like some of the things that are, they're just like a throwaway line here. And they're like something there's a line about Neverwinter and Boulder's Gate. And those are like big cities in the D&D lore. And it's kind of like a throwaway, like, aha, I know that. And that's fine. You know, for me, it didn't bother me, but I could see some people being upset that it's just uh fan service and not really integral to the plot. But um, I loved it, man. I had a great time with this, and I, I may see it again. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't think you need to be a big D&D head to to get it or to enjoy it either. Like, well, me being a case in point as well, that I don't really, I didn't know anything. You know, with Lord of the Rings, I know I've used that example, but I had no idea what, sorry, with Lord of the Rings, I, I got, I knew what was happening. I read the books. I understood the story. Uh, so, you know, I had a familiarity with the world. I had none of that of D and D, but I still had just an enjoyable, as much of an enjoyable time uh, with this. And I'm just looking at how the, um, I'm just looking at how the, how it's doing at the minute. It's got 150 million dollar budget at the time of recording. It's currently about halfway there, uh, 70 million worldwide after four days, which is not a bad at all for a D and D film. And I don't mean to sound condescending. Genuinely, don't it's coming this is more again more me projecting i thought i thought i just didn't think this film was going to make any money i didn't think there'd be a, a, a uh, an audience for it but it just goes to show same with uh, other films out there other series which i've seen recently that, that you make a good you make a good film with a good story people are going to come and see it like top gun for example or something you know regardless what it's about if the story's there and it's enjoyable people will go out and see it and like you john they'll go out and see it again they'll go out and see it again and it looks like uh, looks like people are so uh yeah hopefully they do go and see more uh, of it because i think they're setting up as is everything nowadays jp i think they're setting up to have more than one of these films coming out and if they release if they announce a sequel tomorrow i'd be very very happy to go and watch a sequel on the day it came out because i had a good time with this jp um for me i just hope there'd be a few more refinements in you know in this sort of in the runtime and just tightening things up, maybe with the screenplay a little bit, but you know, like I said, it reminded me of the mummy and is the mummy a perfect film? Well, obviously yes, but in reality, probably not, but do we have the best time watching it? You're goddamn right. We do. And I had a great time with Dungeons and Dragons honor amongst the honor among thieves as well. Mm-hmm. So let's see where they go from here. JB, um, 
if, unless you've got anything else to add to it, I will say, how quickly would you run to watch a sequel for this? I, I would definitely. Um, there's a lot of ways this could be a bad sequel too, right? Like if they yes, if they yes. think they have to re- rehash the things, but if they continue with the idea of this open world exploration and kind of building a team, um, I think it could be great. The opening sequence of this film, by the way, is so funny. Um, Pine kind of pitching why they should be given parole. <laughs> the way everything plays out in the sequence. It's so funny, dude. I love that opening. And it pays off at the end as well. It does. It pays off big at the end. Yeah, which made me laugh ridiculously. Everyone's just waiting for this one character to come in. Um, yeah, no, great payoff. I say when the jokes land, they land. They don't, they're not many, if any, really landed with a thud, but some were much better than others. But no, I, I had a good time, JP. So do you have anything else you want to add now before we move on to our next segment? Um, nope, that's it. Well, in that case, let's do it. Let's move on to our next segment, JB, which we call Chuffed Headlines. Here, John and myself, we take a pop culture or movie headline, one that caught our attention for any reason, and we share it with each other, and we share it with all of you guys. So, JB, what have you gone for this week? So, uh, DC um, had a new trailer drop for Blue Beetle. Um, the article I have linked here is more, it's, it's also comparing to another movie that people forgot that stars Mark Hamill. I don't care about that. I don't know anything about it. It's not my interest. Um, but just the, I just wanted to talk about the trailer. Um, I like blue beetle as a character. He was a DC character. I came very late to, like I was very unaware of for a long time. I think I feel like young justice was the show that really made me aware of him. He'd been around before that, but that was my kind of introduction to the character, either that or new 52. I can't remember which came first, but I definitely, um, have grown to really like the blue beetle character. It's a very interesting character. And importantly, it's a Latino character, something that we have not got to see a lot of in the superhero mm-hmm. spectrum. And, um, uh, the director is Latino and has, uh, I believe, and has gone that we went full in, like it's a Latino family. Um, it's like three generations of a Latino family too. So it's actually like a Latino driven superhero film. And I think that's awesome. Uh, the visuals look pretty good to me uh for this trailer which have not always been the case for any of the superhero movies but especially the dc films i'm kind of hyped for it um i don't know what role it will play in the dcu (laughs) i would be fine if it's a standalone one-shot movie like there's a reference to batman in the trailer but batman could exist in a lot of different ways that could be anyone yeah right like um but uh it's got it, it feels fun, like a Shazam vibe. Like it doesn't feel too dark and gritty, um, which is refreshing. Uh, this can't be part of Gunn's plan in that it was, it had to be in production prior to him taking over because there's just no way they've got it ready. Um, if it was from, uh, from November, like to have filmed it and got that kind of visual effects on it. And uh, even when they announced the release date earlier this year, I was shocked. I was like, really? We're getting a blue beetle movie. I didn't know they had even started filming. Um, mm-hmm. And especially after they they canned Batgirl, you kind of thought everything that had been in production that wasn't Flash or Aquaman was going to get shelved um, and Shazam. And uh, so to see this is happening is cool. I still have superhero burnout, so I'm not I'm not as hyped about it as I would have been a few years ago. But I'm hopeful that maybe we can get this under control. Like, I think there could be a better balance of superhero. And I really think it'd be better if they weren't all connected. I, I think there's too much commitment being asked of audiences with all of the connected films that you have to see all of them. I think more people would be inclined like with comic books, 
generally speaking, people pick one or two heroes that they want to read and that's what they read. And every once in a while you deviate, but the movies right now feel like you can't do that. Like you are expected to be keeping up with everything and not just movies, but the shows over at MCU. I think they need to be more standalone uh, with maybe references to other things, but um, I, I liked it. I sent you the trailer, Matt. Did you watch it? Uh, yes, so I did watch it. I watched it um, just after you sent it, actually, because you know I'm I'm a good guy sometimes like that. Um, and yeah, I thought it looked I thought it looked intriguing. It, it's funny. It's it, it's happening because you just um, were talking about the the James Gunness of it all, and that's the first thing I said to you, JB. Is this is this part of the gun verse? Is this D- James Gunn's DC? To which you said, and I think so because of the reasons you just mentioned, time and that. But it's that confusion which we mentioned in our Shazam yep. episode about, can you really have, you know, Zachary Levi and Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and Shazam and all these other characters in the new Gunverse when they're trying to separate that, when they immediately release a trailer for something, for something which seems to be totally disconnected in Blue Beetle. And the first thing I think of is, right, is this new or old canon? It's is a mess. And it does make me wonder, like, why, why are they even releasing it? And I don't mean that in a negative way, but like you mentioned, Batgirl got canned for, you know, reasons we'll probably never know. Some people say it was unwatchable. Others say, no, it was fine. Um, you know, hang your hat wherever you want to on that one. But the only reason I say it is because they're moving ahead with a new continuity. Is this a sign that they're willing to, you know, break the break the mold a bit more than just say Joker or the Batman and have standalone films outside the James Gunn DCU? If so, that's wall because it confused the hell out of me. But the trailer itself, um, I thought it was pretty good, JB. I think I text you saying it looks interesting and that can sometimes be either a cop-out or a, oh, I'm not so sure about that, but no, it, it generally looked um it generally looked interesting you've got i think there's um is it um jolo maraduena i think his name is who stars as jamie reyes who is the uh the first standalone latino-led superhero uh latino superhero lead uh which is which is very exciting uh the word standalone as well is is an interesting uh, thing to note there but I, don't know, I thought it looked good i thought it looked fun i like that and i don't mean to um reference back to shazam again the shazam 2 or the first one what i liked about those films is that they felt fun they had like you mentioned they had that kind of disconnected feel and they felt like a standalone and i felt almost like i, I could enjoy it more you know because I, I didn't have that oh the guilt of oh man, i didn't watch the last two films so i'm not sure i'm gonna know what's going on yeah I, I, as much as I love, I'm a Star Wars fan. I love every, I, I love every Easter egg, and I'm the kind of guy who goes onto Wikipedia and it's like, oh, what does that mean? Oh, yeah, that was in that book seven years ago. But at the same time, it is quite nice to have something standalone like Blue Beetle. It looks interesting. I don't know anything about Blue Beetle, so uh, this this trailer, pretty much the trailer itself, felt like the origin story. I found out everything I need to know about how how um, Jamie Reyes became Blue Beetle is in the trailer. So great. Well, now I know that I could go into it um, on a kind of it's a DC like Spider-Man film almost. He becomes a he's bestowed by the power of a bug Um, or a scarab. But no, I enjoyed it, JB. I'm kind of cautiously optimistic because, you know, DC films have been so up and down recently. Plus, I have got one eye on what's to come with James Gunn and his overarching vision for the DCU. So I'm kind of got I have my mind on that which is slightly off-putting because, you know, I like the DC property for the most part. I may not know all of the superheroes and um, villains in them, 
but for the most part, I find they're stable. You know, Spider Man aside, in terms of Marvel, I like him, but I find most of the DC heroes, the ones I kind of more I gravitate more towards, or their stories at least. There's something about them. Maybe it's the history or lore that they bring with them. There's a real richness to it. But um, so I'm looking forward to finding out about a new one in terms of Blue Beetle. The fact that he, the fact that um, this is the first Latino-led superhero movie is exciting as well. Breaking down some more doors. I'm sure people will have a problem with that. But you know, screw those guys. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking forward to JB. But you, you mentioned to me though that this was originally an HBO Max film, wasn't it? And it's now theatrical. Yeah, that's my understanding. I wonder. Um, I don't know. I'm sure they've clarified the reason why, but that's a turnaround. That is. Well, the big, the one thing that will have to remain to be seen is most of the other race-based complaints about like um, when they change a hero is the change. I believe this character in the comics. I think there are m- multiple versions of Blue Beetle, but I think mm-hmm. this version is Latino in the comics as well. So if they're complaining about the race of the character then they're just being racist because it's not yeah. like, even though we all get the subtext of when they say Tinkerbell's not black or when they say Ariel's not black, we understand what you're really saying in those scenarios. This time, if you're upset about this movie, it's not because they changed it because they did. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So uh, hopefully the internet will just be quiet on this one. Um, well, but I think you give them too much credit, not. JP. You I, give them too much credit. Well, look, we've but, got George Lopez, Susan Sarandon, Harvey Gillian, uh, amongst others, in this film as well. So we've got a decent cast. Susan Sarandon was the big su- surprise for me, though. I was like, yeah. "Whoa, is she in a superhero movie? Like, what? That's some prestige there." Uh, by comparison to some others, but um, but yeah, that was my trailer for the week. Now, this is not trailer talk, which I guess could be a new segment, um, but instead is shocked headlines. Matt, what was your headline, John? I ha- I've been moving on from an interesting superhero film to probably the most anticipated movie of the decade for most people, Whoa. us included. We're not talking about Oppenheimer. We're not talking about that kind of... No, no rubbish like that. We're not talking about the latest A24 film. No, no, no. We're talking about Greta Gerwig's Barbie. The official teaser trailer has dropped, starring, of course, Margot Robbie, our boy Ryan Gosling, Simu Liu, Issa Rae, Alexander Shri- uh, You know, so many people are in this film. The teaser has dropped after we got that epic Kubrick-esque actual kind of teaser last year. Uh, we've got our first actual real look at the film now. What's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? And uh, that was dropped today. And <laughs> John, come on. I if, if I if I said to you, oh, John, you know, I wasn't smiling after the first 10 seconds, I'd be a barefaced liar. The moment mm-hmm. when we hear, hey, Barbie, and hey, sorry, hey Ken, hey Barbie, and you see Margot Robbie, and especially Ryan Gosling decked out like he is. I was like, "This is ja- what? What? What is this?" And then you've got the rivalry between Simu Liu and uh, and Ryan Gosling's and, Ken, and the yeah. and the beach joke. I'll just I'll just leave it as oh that my goodness at the end. Which yeah. usually I'd think, do you know what? If that was in a a kind of Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, Jad Apatow film, I'd probably by this point I roll my eyes and think, I don't know, that's just, you know, it just feels too churlish. Something about this, the way it was delivered, and in this film, it works. And I like, and don't get me wrong, I, I enjoy the Apatow films and their humour, but it, it worked here. It felt fresh. I loved the look of this film, John. I love how vibrant and popping yeah. this is, like, you know, the world of Barbie. Um, I've been around people in my youth who played with Barbies. I know just how much pink, how much turquoise, how much yellow, how much fluorescent green are plastered along those play sets. Um, I love the music drop. 
Uh, I thought the the performances from the trailer alone just looked fun. You know, I don't think this. I don't think Gerwig's gunning for her Oscar here. That isn't a, uh, a negative statement on the trailer. I think it's a lot of fun, and I think people would be surprised by this as well because Greta Gerwig. I think you know, we, uh, knowing who her husband is, I think she's always going to uh, have a fantastic sense of humour. I can imagine the two of those two, uh, a chat with them would be hilarious. But um, I. I didn't, you know, when I saw Greta Gerwig, Gerwig was directing, I did kind of think, oh, are we going to get a bit more of a a serious look at Barbie? But no, you know, Greta Gerwig's gone full, full out, like hairspray, sparkles and diamonds for this. And I am absolutely here for it, JB. Maybe, hey, look, I, listen, I am 100% sure we're going to get some thematic um, uh, beauty theory. We're going to get some messages um, of you know, maybe body confidence or whatever it is, or beauty. We're going to get something in here. Of course we are. It's not just going to be a vapid barbie movie by any means well the trailer the doesn't end, show, oh, go on i was the end of the trailer seems to imply that she's coming to our world um there's a sign that says the real world and uh yes that's we see that crash and so i think that's where maybe some commentary or expectations are going to change yes. um but yeah it like you said everything you just said is accurate um the they they again like I said with Dungeons Dragons they look like they're having fun filming this yeah. like everyone's really in character having a blast. Um, I am wondering what rating this is going to get because some of the innuendo in the trailer <laughs> is definitely pushing PG thirteen. I'm going like, to go for a a definite twelve A slash PG thirteen a definite I think. Yeah, I I'm that's exciting too because that's not what you would expect a Barbie movie to go for. You know what I'm saying? Like you would expect it to go for PG or G even. And it says like, no, this is looking like it's going to be PG thirteen minimum. I don't think it'll go past that, but it's no, definitely got R-rated, a lot of innuendo. As long as it doesn't get too, and this is going to, oh man, this is old man shouts to clouds. As long as it doesn't get too innuendo heavy. Not, I uh, listen. I love a good innuendo and double entendre, but when it when it worked, you know what I mean. When it when it, in in the right context, it it can bang. The one we saw in the trailer worked. If the whole film is based on that humor. Yeah, I can't. I can't be dealing with an hour and a half, two hours of this rubbish. Um, so, but I enjoyed it though. I enjoyed what we got. So, one thing: Have you seen the character posters that were also released today? Oh no, I haven't. Let me have a look at so those now. The one that's really throwing me off. So, there's like Barbie. Uh, America Ferrera is in the movie, and hers. Yes. It, all of the posters have Barbie as the title, so they all say Barbie. But there's <laughs> a picture of the character, and then it says she's a human. Right. And then it's Ariana Greenblatt and it says she's also human. Then it's Will Farrell. Will Farrell says, please call me mother. <laughs> so I have no idea what that is. Cause then like Michael Sarah's, um, Oh, Helen Mirren says she's the narrator. Um, and, uh, Michael Sarah says he's Alan or something like that. Uh, Ryan Gosling says something he's Ken. And I think so does Simu Lee's Luz. Um, and so I'm not sure. I'm very curious what the heck is going on with Will Ferrell's character because it. Please call me mother. What's going on? I need, I need context. <laughs> I've just been looking through all these posters. Um, what fantastic uh, posters they've got there! But also, JB, what a fan, what a stacked cast! What an absolutely insanely talented cast! Marco Robbie, Ryan Gosling, uh, Emma Mackey, Will Ferrell, Simulu, Michael Sarah, America Ferrara, Ferrara, sorry, Kate McKinnon. Uh, Issa Rae, Alexandra Ship, Kingsley Benadir, Rhea Perlman, Nicola Coughlin is in this as well. Uh, man, I'm just going down the list here. I probably uh, you mentioned Helen Mirren as the um, narrator, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Hathaway's listed as well. 
for those uh, for those who are into their pop R and B music, Dua Lipa is showing up as well. This this is a cast stacked full of names as well. I mean, this is a big cast, and I really hope this film slaps. The trailers have looked good like that. Like we mentioned, like the Kubrick one last year, that was so fun. And this trailer in itself is just fizzing with energy and 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 good vibes. I really hope that this lands properly. I think it will do. I have no reason to not trust Greta Gerwig uh, in uh, with this at the helm. Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling leading this. Come on, JB. You, you're going to have to convince me that this won't work or this won't be good because I'm sure of it. Yeah, I'm I'm hyped. I can't wait to see it. Yep, I'm going to see. I actually am going to see this before Oppenheimer as well. I will say that right now. Um, right. Well, that is trailer talk, uh, aka chuffed headlines for this week. So let's talk about media consumption in our next segment. Media consumption. Here we take the movies, uh, TV shows, video games, music, podcasts, which aren't ours. You know, whatever we've used to pass the time since the last episode, we share it with each other. JB, I, I, th- I think you've been busy this week. I have seen a lot of movies because I was at a film festival, which again, I'll talk more about my trip in in the the last segment, but um, I'm not going to go through every movie I saw in detail. I'm just going to kind of list them off. And if you have questions about any, I think that's the way to do this. Uh, But let's start with podcasts. Um, Listen to the Blank Check podcast. They just did the 127 hour episode, which I had watched last week in preparation for that episode. Um, They also did uh, their commentary on Men in Black International, which is there a movie that's more forgotten that shouldn't be like such a blockbuster type movie? Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson revitalizing the men in black franchise. I constantly forget. I saw it like it's out of our mind, but yeah, I wasn't um, a fan of that film. Nope. And I wanted to be, cause I like both of those actors a whole lot. Um, yep. uh, and the 127 hours episode. Very good. Um, TV. I, I did manage to watch Mando episode five while I was uh, out um at the festival and i liked it i i think um some what stuff happened five. Oh yeah i remember five. i was just trying to remember what happened in episode 5 but yeah, yes i remember now yeah trying to remember the, some there was a character in there who was new uh, and they Paul, did stuff uh, Hyung Sung Lee's it, a character kind of took the lead for the most part um yeah yeah mando was uh, kind of like a secondary character throughout if i remember rightly um, it's the one where they come and help uh, uh, um, Apollo, oh, Grief Creed. Apollo Creed. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. now. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, no, yeah, I, yeah. okay, yeah, I remember which one. Um, did watch the new episode of Ted Lasso, season uh, three, episode three. Really good episode. I'm loving the season so far. Um, and then I finally started The Bear on Hulu, um, okay. which is the the show. It's a a guy gets a a restaurant for his brother has died he's inherited the restaurant but he's like a five-star chef and he's running like a uh italian beef sandwich shop kind of thing and him trying to turn it around there's a lot of people yelling and saying yes chef um i'm enjoying it the first (laughs) few episodes are real propulsive and you kind of just get thrust into it there's eight episodes for the season uh season two is on the way so i figured i would finally jump in on that um and then the movies here Um, we go so uh one true lovers I'm sorry. One true loves. I keep doing that. That was a movie I just reviewed on uh, disappointment media. The review for that is out. Um, it's an up and coming VOD release. I, I didn't love it, but Simu okay. Lu is in it. Um, okay. Here's festival stuff. Late night with the devil, Renfeld, Renfield, um, the wrath of Becky, Brooklyn, 45, 
Aberrance, Only Lovers Left Alive, the anniversary screening, 10-year anniversary with Jim Jarmusch in the audience. Uh, not in the audience. No, he didn't watch this movie, but he did a Q&A. Um, <laughs> Talk to Me, uh, the new A24 horror film. Birth, Rebirth. It Lives Inside, which is a new neon horror film set to come out in like September time. Ooh. And Monolith. Uh, those are all festival movies. And then I did actually also catch um, Mafia Mama at a mystery screening. Um, that was it, was it? Yep, that was it. Um, I won't say much about that because we are technically under embargo for another week, even though it wasn't a critic screening, just to play it safe. Um, but I, I will say more positive on it than negative. Um, okay. So the big movie on this list, uh, there is a there's a big movie missing that was at the festival, which is uh, Evil Dead Rise. Yes. I had a ticket for it, but the way this festival works is there are pass holders and then there are people who have individual tickets. Pass holders get priority. And uh, if you can't get in because they've filled up the ticket, if you if you had a ticket, they would refund you or you could switch it to another movie. So okay. the rumor was Evil Dead was going to be nuts. And it was only playing yeah. two screens at two separate locations. I had a ticket for the farther location. I didn't want to go through it. And I was like, I, I'm not going to get into this one. It sounds like it's going to be nuts. A lot of people didn't get into Evil Dead Rise. Everyone tried to go and there was only two screens and it just got filled up. So I made the right call. And that's how I ended up seeing um, It Lives Inside instead, uh, which was cool because I ended up getting to talk to the director and the writer of the film because of that. Um, uh, like before the movie, like they heard me buying the ticket and they're like, hey, that's our movie. And uh, they talked to me and Sean for a long time. They were really cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it was really awesome. Um, the big opening night movie was uh, Renfield because it is a world premiere at this festival because it's set in New Orleans and the festival was in New Orleans. Um, yes. And uh, I had a blast, dude. I'm, I'm so on board for Renfield. We'll have a review of that in the next couple of weeks. But I was hopeful and it paid off. I, I was very, very pleased when I walked out of yes. Renfield. That's one I'm any, very uh, much looking forward to seeing. Yes, I can't. I mean, we're going to get to do that one on the podcast. That is getting um, a full release everywhere, I think, April 14th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, I think you're right. I think um, you're right. So two Fridays, folks, and you'll be able to see it yourselves. But I have seen it, and I can say it's quite fun. Yes. Well, I'm looking at your list, JB. Um, there are two. I think there's two that jump out, which I'd like to know your thoughts on. The first one is is Talk To Me. How did you find that? Um, so, uh, tuna is one of the ones who didn't like it. He saw it, uh, at South by, I think. Um, so I went in uncertain, a lot of people raving about it. Um, for me, it's like four out of five. Um, okay. I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, there's a lot there. Um, there are parts that I didn't quite land for me, but overall I thought it was a really fun movie. Uh, very scary at times, a fun horror nice. movie, mind you, like uh, when I say fun, um, it does deal with some dark stuff. Uh, there are some moments that really hit hard and I had like, had to look away even. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very watchable. Um, not in terms of subject, but in terms of style, it did remind me of bodies, bodies, bodies. Like it's very loud and the music, the needle drops are very, uh, you know, that style of music and stuff. Yeah. Um, not anything else. Like it's not like, it's not the same setup or story or anything like that. So I'm not saying it's like bodies, 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 but as far as like in your face and loud and, and feeling very modern, that is there even though it's australian it still felt very like that um uh there was another australian horror but which, yeah it's it's um, tuna actually recommended 
Well, Tuna said about Godless, which I know is not on your um, list, but he sent me a message. Saying, I didn't get to see it. He said, me personally, he said, I, as in me, Matt, would. he said, I'm going to love it. So uh, it's an Aussie horror film. I can't wait to see it. You know, if Tuna sends me a message to say, you're going to dig this, then I am here for it. But uh, the other two films I wanted to know about, John, are actually sequential. Birth, Rebirth, and It Lives Inside. How are they? So I love Birth, Rebirth. Um, okay. I, I felt real bad for the filmmaker because her movie was on right before uh, Evil Dead Rise. So when <sighs> she she announced the film at the beginning and that she would be there for a Q&A, um, pretty much everybody got up the second the credits hit so they could go get in line for Evil Dead Rise and hope yeah, they could make shame. it in. And so um, as I'm walking out also, I hear her like kind of lean over to the, the festival uh, person. And it's like, everyone's leaving. And I stopped. I was like, Hey, it's not because your movie, your movie's brilliant. And I, I saw that she, she needed to hear that affirmation. Like people weren't dipping cause they hated the movie. They were dipping for other reasons. Um, it's like back in the day at, at Comic-Con, if you were in, if you weren't in hall H and you were like next to the big thing, everyone would leave to go to hall H kind of thing. Yeah. That was what she experienced. And the same thing uh, for it lives inside his movie was looking like it was going to be really, really empty because everybody was going to evil dead rise. Um, it ended up being more full than it looked like, but it was because those people didn't get into evil dead rise. So, which he also acknowledged in his opening thing. He's like, I know some of you weren't here to see this. I hope you still enjoy it. Um, birth rebirth. It was, um, birth rebirth for me, man. It was one of my favorite of the festival. Um, it's, it's not getting that much love everywhere, but for me, it, it hit a lot of themes and stuff that I find really compelling. And, um, I thought the performances were phenomenal. Okay. And a really cool kind of take on Frankenstein type story. It's not a, you know, beat for beat retelling, but it's definitely that inspiration of uh, a mad scientist trying to um, bring back life, you know, playing God essentially. And it's, it's very compelling. Um, And then it lives inside. I thought it was really fun. Some incredible set pieces, really cool seeing a representation um, of another culture because it is Indian based. Um, as in India, Indian, I'm not being offensive. I'm being literal. Um, and uh, the performances are really good. I I overall liked it. Um, I did have some things where I'm like, I really wish this was different. And I, I'm a stickler for uh, movie rules. Like if a movie establishes that these are the rules of this situation, that you must adhere to those rules. And I, I think this movie, like, like another film that it's getting compared to, it follows. Um, to me, it follows, says, here's all these rules. And then they proceed to break them all throughout yeah. the course of the movie. Um, <laughs> do. and it drives me crazy. Uh, like if you don't want those rules to be in your movie, don't include those rules. Like it's your yep. movie. You don't have to add them. Um, so that drives me kind of mad. Um, but, but yeah, I, I do think both were very good. Awesome. Again, I'll, I'll leave the, the the festival talk for you, my friend. All I'll say is, I was very jealous. I was very jealous of the pictures you sent me, and I'd very much like to be at the next one. So, if anyone from Overlook's listening, please invite me. All right. Well, what about you, man? What have you been watching? Uh, for me, it's much shorter, JB, because. Uh, I didn't end up going to the festival, um, but no, yeah, for me, JB, I, I listened to the horror show where they they uh, dove into Scream Six uh, and gave their thoughts on it. And I can't ask, trying to rack my brains for the life of me, but there were two points that were brought up which were like insanely good. 
that got one of the other hosts and me in my car going, oh yeah, it was like a, you know, if if this ha- it kind of like breaking your if this happened in a film, how was then how was this then later allowed to happen? I thought, damn, and it's odd because the first thing I thought of was I need to I need to posit this I need to put this to JB, but I can't remember what the, can't remember what it was now. But it was something I was like, oh no, now I know that I can't not know that about the writing of Scream Six. But hey, Scream Six is a blast either way. <coughs> um, and I watched the the Dead Meat Horror Awards on YouTube. Um, I dig the Dead Meat show, and as they say in their then they're opening. Look, the ho- horror films get get shunned by the major awards. So horror as a genre is always having to award itself with the Saturns, with the Fangoria Awards, and that. Some of the best uh, performances and even movies of last year were in the genre. But if you put stock in awards, you know they don't look at horror, which has always been always been an issue. Uh, with the with the academy it's not a new thing it's been going back even before the exorcist was uh was just snubbed for best picture in the year it should have won uh, you had to look you had to look at things until we got to the silence of the lambs which is a horror film but you know it isn't at the same time a psychological thriller slash horror uh so it's still i think what i for me we're still yet to see our first kind of bona fide horror film win a um, win best picture, and I don't think we ever will see that either. But the, the Dead Meat Horror mm. Awards are fun. Lots of cool, um, lots of cool uh, guests to um, kind of zoom in and uh, deliver the awards, including Mick Foley and people like that. So it was a very cool lineup of mm. guests and very cool lineup of winners as well. It's on YouTube. It's about oh, an hour long, maybe. Uh, so if you're a fan of the genre and just want to see something, you know, a, a genre award in itself, check it out. Um, I also watched *The Mandalorian* episode five, and I couldn't remember what happened, as as you as we as we discussed earlier on. But I do remember in, enjoying the episode, though. It was yeah, the pirates and the Mandos swooping in to save the day, um, and everything going on with the New Republic, and basically setting up the sequel trilogy as well. Uh, you know, I did I did enjoy. It. I remember watching it and thinking, oh, I, I like this. I enjoy it. And also because it started to now finally tell us where we're going with this story of this season. The first four episodes, as good as, or some of them were anyway, others fine. Um, they they felt better for me. It felt a bit aimless in where it's going. Uh, the, the first couple of series were kind of serialized, they're episodic, and they felt almost like contained within themselves. But you you could see what they're building towards. We had a, we had a villain as well in those season three has kind of suffered from a lack of a villain and a lack of focus. But now I think we know exactly where we're going now. It's all about, you know, the retreat going to Mandalore and getting Mandalore back for the people. So I'm that's where it's going. Whether it happens in this season, I don't know, but um, hopefully the last three stick the landing. Hopefully they do. Um, in terms of films, JB, I, I watched, I watched missing, you know, I, thanks to the lads over at Sony. I was able to watch missing. Yes. Um, and I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. I like you. I remember you telling me about searching, because I think we were going to cover it for the pod. And it was one of those ones which kind of, for me, wasn't really on the radar until you'd mentioned it with the John Cho film. And I watched it and I was like, this is, this is, this is great. It was, I think it was directed by Anish Chaganti Sevahanian, who write this film, Missing. And this isn't like a sequel, though they do, you do. It's in the same about, universe. Exactly. Yeah. You do kind of get a nod to what happened at the beginning of this film to the events of searching and, but no, I, I enjoyed it. So I will say now I prefer searching. I think searching is just that bit tighter. I believed it more. Um, but I think storm reads really good in the lead role yep. here. I think she's, she's very good. I, I've liked her and everything I've seen her in obviously the last of us recently as well. 
I've liked her in most most things I've seen her in. Uh, so yeah, Missing was a was a really cool follow up to Searching, and I'd like to know if they're going to continue doing these, and if they are, what's it going to be called? Um, finding, I don't know, but I'd like to know if they do this again. How can they? How can they keep it going? How 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 do you think they can keep this going? Like hypothetically speaking, if they were going to do another one, because they used an awful lot of like it was Zoom call, not Zoom calls, um, like video calls and emails. Mm, FaceTime. And like, you face that it's all effect. on screen. Yeah, that's right. Yes. How, a, how do you think they could shake it up? I, I mean, it's, there's so many ways to do it. I don't know now if you're just going to get redundant stories, though. Um, I feel like these two are different enough but I don't know what other things you could do. Yeah. Um, but like we've seen, these are not, these are technically the fourth, uh, maybe fifth because we had host um, during cool. the pandemic. Yeah. I think it's host, right? Yes. Um, yes. And then before that we've had unfriended and unfriended dark web um, unfriended. Cool. The worst of them. I think unfriended dark web, I thought was solid mm-hmm. searching is I, I still think the best I missing might be a tighter story. Um, in some ways than searching, but I, I thought both were really good um, yeah. and really, really show the the potential the form can use. Again, though, I think it's going to maybe start to get a little redundant, but it, it works. Nope. I hear that, JB. It's made $45 million off a $7 million budget, though. That's that's the reason why I ask, is that I don't yeah, see this becoming... going to get a sequel, probably. Is it? I, I can't see a franchise kind of thing happening here, but if I'm looking at the numbers here, I think, well, you know, we've, we've made, what's that? Six times our money back or eight times our money back. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Six was like the first time, uh, seven, seven times, uh, whatever, six or seven times our money back. You, you, if you're the money man, you think, well, let's do that again. You, you know, um, to the, to the two writers of this, um, Giganti or Hanian, go and give me another one. You know how studios work. If you, you made one film, made a lot of money. You can do another one and then do another one thinking that it's never going to win. But um, no, I liked missing. I, I did prefer searching, but I did enjoy missing an awful lot. Um, I caved and watched champions in the end. Um, mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it, JB. I did. Um, do you know what? The, the actually thing that put me off the most going into watch it was actually the runtime. I, I don't know if I want to watch a two hour sports comedy, but I enjoyed it. I think uh, Woody Harrelson is um, very, very good in the lead as this kind of unlikable yet kind of, you can't help but like the guy um, lead. Uh, the friends, I think, were great, uh, and I like I like the way the story went, and I like how it ended. I mean, it, where it from where it went from A to B to C was very quick. Like, wow, this this he must be the best coach in the world. But I liked how it ended. I love the message in it. Um, what, you know, was it was it kind of um, was it pulling for those strings? Yeah, it was. But I dig it, man. I love a sports. I love an an underdog sports story with heart, and I think Champions did have that. And I thought it was a good film, JB. I did enjoy it um, after putting it off, kind of holding it at arm's length for a little bit. Uh, I did enjoy Champions, and uh, I also watched an Apple TV uh, Tetris, the the Tetris film starring uh, Taron Egerton and a whole host of other people. And do you know what, JB? I thought this film was ace. I thought it was great. I really like Tetris. It's you know, I, I've I've seen I've seen since what the real story was, and well, it's actually most a lot of the beats that happened in the film did happen in real life. Eventually, it does kind of start the 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 two people involved, the two developers of Tetris, or the developer and the salesman, will both say that it it does give way to Hollywood at the end of it. But they were on board as kind of story supervisors to make sure that 
it felt was authentic to the time and how and to the Soviet Union things like that as possible. But um, the way it goes, it, it goes full Hollywood, and I dug it. Taron Edgerton, man, is so good in this lead role. He's so so good in this film, and we know how good he is anyway. Um, but I had an like an unexpectedly good time with Tetris. I loved the way the way that the trailer took it from. This isn't going to be the next Pixels or, or that kind of film. This is a this is more this is a thriller film. This is I think mm-hmm. I think the actual director posited this and said it's more in the vein of the Social Network, and it really really is. This is much more of a thriller film, a dramatic thriller, than a kind of laugh a minute. Let's fight. Let's let's talk about Tetris sci-fi film. No, no, this is this is a full-on kind of Cold War dramatic thriller, and it's great. Really, really enjoyed Tetris JB. So, uh, looking forward yeah, to high- your thoughts on it when you watch it. Yeah, it's high on my list. I'm, I'm, I have a screener I got to watch for a review, but um, Tetris is something I'm planning on watching before the end of the weekend. Yes, please do, and let me know what you thought about it. And um, uh, I didn't watch the film Space Oddity. I watched it a few weeks ago, but the embargo was up five days ago, and I thought it was fine. I thought it was all right. I thought it was, it was, it was just a rom-com with, you know, it's a very sickly sweet rom-com, but the the lead ra- uh, role, I can't remember what the guy's name is, is Alexandra Shipp, who I think is adorable, and a lead actor who has been in many things, and I can't think of who it is now, you know their chemistry sells the film. Kevin Bacon's great in it. What he's got to do bringing some stoicism to it, but it was uh, Kyra Sedgwick's directorial debut, and you know it gets a bit uh, heavy-handed yes. with some of the messages of you know climate change and saving the world. And sometimes it did really hit you on the head. There's one scene of a guy talking to himself in the mirror, kind of lecturing himself about you know where do you do you know you're going to congratulate yourselves for not saving the lions and i thought what the hell are you talking about who doesn't no one person would ever and he goes on he is he gives a kind of diatribe about that nobody would say this to themselves in the mirror what are you doing so i thought you know maybe you could have integrated that a bit better but overall john it was a sweet film it's i thought it's fine kind of middle of the road rom-com film but you know i really only watched it for the cast and to see what kyra cedric's directorial debut was like and it was it's pretty solid. And yes, the song Space Oddity does find its way in there somehow, the old uh, classic David Bowie song, or Bowie if you want. So that's what we've been consuming this week. JB has been consuming a lot of horror, which makes this boy very green with envy. But, you know, to counteract that, we've had to stay bloody awesome, me especially, given John's had such a bloody awesome time, we hope. So John, just, just out of interest, I mean, I can't imagine how you have been, but have you been staying bloody awesome this week? Well, I went to the Overlook Film Festival in New Orleans, um, and no I had a blast. Oh, I know man. no one saw that coming, but um, man, the, but talk about the food first. So I got <laughs> to try a lot of cuisine. Uh, the big thing I wanted to have was beignets, and I had two different places. I got to go to the original Cafe Dumont, which apparently is a big deal. Um, I did not know that, uh, but luckily Tuna did. Um, there's often insane long lines. Somehow we walked up, no line, got a table. There were people there, but we got a table, sat down, ordered ours. And uh, next thing we know, there is a line. So like we just missed it. Nice. Like we must have came at just the right time. Um, and that was pretty awesome. Uh, I did prefer Cafe Beignet though. Uh, I thought their beignets were a little better and they didn't have nearly as much powdered sugar. Like there was... It, like my pictures on Instagram, my my friends were like, "Were those Colombian beignets?" Because there's so much powdered sugar on it. Um, <laughs> it looks just, like Tony Montana was back there. Beignet is. You'll have to explain. Oh, it's essentially it's a um, it's like a funnel cake and a donut combined together because it, it's uh, battered, dumped, and fried, 
in a big scoop and it's uh, covered in powdered sugar. And you can also add a chocolate drizzle. Um, Sounds they like are heavy. great. Uh, if you've never seen Princess and the Frog, I highly recommend that you watch that <laughs> movie and learn what beignets are because that's a big part of that. Um, got a uh, tour of Louisiana food, which was uh, like jambalaya, um, crawfish uh, etouffee, uh, red beans and rice, and um, gumbo. And that was an excellent yeah. lunch. Um, the and then I tried a bunch of chicken places. What's that? How are the crawfish? Because I remember you mentioned before uh, so, that you wanted to try that. The crawfish etouffee was the crawfish was deshelled in, in the uh, the the it's not a soup but it's like a very cheese based dish um, with rice and it was very good uh, the crawfish it was very shrimp like um, I think tuna described crawfish as shrimpier shrimp um, <laughs> and that felt right um, <laughs> I didn't try crawfish in the shell though which is a more traditional way of eating them one day I will have to do that but still freaks me out a little bit with them having like their whole head on there. Um, but yeah, and then a bunch of different chicken places, Voodoo Chicken, Willie's Chicken, and one that's much more everywhere, Raising Cane's Chicken, I had never had before, and I, I got to have that, partly because where our journey took a bump, Tuna and I were on our way home on Sunday morning. We left uh, New Orleans at 8.30 with the hope that we would be back in, the, in Florida by about 9 p.m. Well, we made it to 9 a.m. and our car broke down complete mm. everything turned off turned out the alternator died which killed the battery in the process we were told that the alternator caught on fire and shorted out now, we did not witness anything that looked like fire but that's what we were told uh, but luckily uh it it took about six hours for them to fix it and us to get back on the road and we didn't get home until 2 30 um sunday evening technically monday uh so much later than our plan um so the, it was a, a, a bittersweet end. Uh, we made them the best of that situation, but it was like six hours of sitting in a mechanic and that's no fun. Yeah, no JB. I, <laughs> I don't like, I, I can laugh now, but I sent JB a message um, because he'd been sending me pictures throughout the weekend and I realized what the day was. So I said, Oh, are you on route now? Are you off home now? And then I got the message to say, well, <laughs> we were and it was just kind of i just thought how how's your luck you have such a great weekend with some great films great company great vibes what well, um great food and then it's, to have that happen at the end is an absolute bummer but what 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 were the vibes like at the festival i know it's a festival and it's always it's always busy and it's always chaos but you know what what you know the people that are there the attendees i'd say super positive man um the the all the directors that were there and all of the, the people volunteering and stuff, they were super friendly, super cool. Uh, the festival goers seemed pretty chill and, and having a good time. Um, you know, very uh, pro, you know, love of horror and, and horror films. Um, yeah. I, I'd say it's just a really positive vibe and atmosphere. Um, I do wish, I wish festivals could figure out a better system because there was, people were really pissed off about evil dead rise and I, I just feel like they made people wait in line for a really long time, knowing like a good chunk of them weren't getting into the movie. And it's like, when you know you have a limited capacity, you should be telling people way before admission that they're not going to get in. You know, like there's no reason yeah. to make people stand in line if you know they can't get in. You know what I'm saying? Like if you know there's 50 seats and there's 300 people, go tell, hey, you're number 50. Everyone else, you guys can go ahead and go. We're not going to have space. Like do that because it, it is upsetting, especially, you know, if you've paid for a pass and like you're, you're number 51 out of 50, 
it's it's gonna hurt that you don't get in and i think it hurts more if you sit there for an hour only to find out you're not getting it you know yeah no that's the problem with festivals which uh if, whether other for the ones i've been to physically and also the ones digitally digitally is fine um other than sometimes the pnl can be absolutely abysmal or films get announced and then very quietly removed from the schedule which is usually the ones people actually sign up to see um <laughs> But yeah, the in-person ones, I don't know how they do it, but just to add an extra few days on, just spread things out. I find that film festivals can be, quite frankly, awful at times because of what you've just said. You sit down to watch a film uh, and, you know, there's there's a director Q&A afterwards, but you think, well, I kind of want to stay for that, but I have to go. I've got to run because I've got to travel X amount of minutes or miles to get to the next theatre just to queue up for a film which I may not even get into. Um, so you don't often get time to really sit on your thoughts and feelings too much because you're ev- you're all over you're everything you're everything everywhere at once at these places, and I just do wish that they could find a way to make the experience a bit more well, just pleasing. I mean, just so you have a bit of time to kind of unwind either between films or after them, but ha- add an, add an extra day or two on. I know the cost comes into this, but you know, surely you want your attendees to be raving about the organization because you can have the best time and still say yeah the organization you know left a bit to be desired so you know hopefully if you go again next year jp it will you know maybe they can i don't think they will but because it's a festival thing but hopefully they can sort that out a bit yeah exactly and again it's not an overall criticism the festival is great overall it's just i think that's a like you said a consensus problem with festivals not specific to overlook um, and I don't know if there's a perfect system to do this, because if you just sell tickets, um, then there's just going to be a line to get the tickets, right? Like, there's always going to be someone disappointed. But I think people value time. And, and if it feels like you sat there for a long time and you don't get in, it's frustrating. So, Yeah, no, I hear that, JB. And uh, I think I'm going to have that same issue this coming week, because it's my vacation this week with Star Wars Celebration. It's a full Thursday through Monday job. Um which is going to be very, very tiring, and it's going to involve a lot of queuing for panels, which you may not get into. A lot of walking around to see things you might not be able to see very well. But and and again, like with a festival, there are so many panels that I would love to see, like kind of odd, abstract ones. Well, but they clash with a big panel, or they clash with something else, and there's always that feeling of oh, you know, people are going to be disappointed because they're going to miss out. And it does blow a little bit, JB. But, um, but other than that, have I been saying bloody awesome? I mean, well, yes, yeah, Star Wars Celebration Prep. It's, you know, it's I'm so excited to go and meet up with my co-host Luke and, you know, the, uh, you know, our, 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 the people who follow the show, the people coming from all over the, the globe to, to this event and to come and say hello to us as well, which is exciting. So I'm getting ready for that, just to have a fun time with buddies. Um but that aside, because I've been working, so I actually so today I went to this immersive game area with my daughter, and it was fantastic. It's really fun. You go into this room and um, you have big projectors on the wall, and it's like memory. It's, it, this one was specifically for kids, but you've got like memory games, and you've got to remember uh, where things were on a grid. Then they get scrambled up, and you've got to put them back where they were in a certain amount of time. Or you've got, or they do the old here's four here's four symbols. We're gonna we're gonna tell you to focus on one. We're gonna mix them all up, and again, you've got to find the right one. It's like the ball under a cup thing. Um, there's a massive Pac-Man thing which was controlled by a visor on your head, which you had to mm. run around the room and it tracks your movement. It's, it's a lot of fun. And then we went to this Nickelodeon interactive zone as well, and 
dude, I got to meet Michelangelo. Six-year-old me would was screaming inside. I got to meet <laughs> Michelangelo, the turtle man. Um, I got a picture. I'll send it to you later. Um, yeah, and just uh, cool, cool stuff like that, which we very much enjoyed. So it was just nice to kind of get out, do fun stuff uh, like that before a, an absolute chaotic weekend upcoming. So mine was enjoying uh, daddy-daughter time today and kind of looking forward, looking ahead to a very tiring few days coming up and thinking, oh, God damn, I wish I was in New Orleans for the Overlook Film Festival. Maybe next year. Hopefully so. I'd very much, let me man as a horror, horror fest is my jam. I'd love to be there. And I knew the vibe would be good. Horror fans generally are generally, but that's going to bring an end to our episode this week for Dungeons and Dragons. As we said at the top of the show, this is merely our non-spoiler review. We're going to have a, non- a spoiler review, sorry, dropping in the next few days. So keep an ear out for that. And next week, well, the big films keep on coming. The big IPs keep coming, JB. The big game IPs keep coming. We are talking about the Super Mario Brothers movie. Looking forward to that because I've enjoyed the trailers. Let's hope the film could stick the landing. But we'd love to know what you think about this film, Dungeons & Dragons, and also you know, what your thoughts on Super Mario you can find us online to tell us that. You can find us at on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. John, where can the world find us on Instagram? We're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Yes, sir. On Facebook, we are just at Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Uh, you'll find uh, a D&D review on the Tomato Meter, so it's already at 91%. doesn't need our help, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, and all of our reviews, or the vast majority of them, you'll see contributing to the tomato meter to either the pleasure or chagrin of movie fans around the world uh, if you want to talk to me or find me online just search for what i watched tonight across all of the socials including letterboxd or just go to what i watched tonight.co.uk jb where are you i am at burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all the social media platforms Yes, go check it out. Oh, check out uh, check out my contributions to John's website in the Horror Zone. Check out John's contributions to my website for what you should watch tonight. Check that out. They're an awful lot of fun. Uh, but also, if you're enjoying what we're doing here, we would love for you to drop us a five-star rating and review on your podcast provider of choice because it gets more listeners in. It gets to show up the algorithm a bit more. And it's another way for us to see more film fans and converse with you each week. However, with that said, guys, as always, Stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies. Blood, <laughs>